I, I, I saw this scripture, and I, I believe it was you, Grace, who posted this scripture this morning. And uh, I, I just want to kind of lead off with this in Proverbs, um, the 14th chapter. Matter of fact, I, I'll just add this. If you need some good Bible re- reading material, you can read one proverb a day. There's 31 proverbs. You might have to read three in, in, in uh, February or one extra in, 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 a, in a month of 30. But there's a, there's a proverb, a chapter a day if you want to do that. And let me tell you, this, there's some great wisdom in proverbs, some great w- wisdom. But I saw this. Uh, she re- she had, had uh, posted this, and I thank you for posting this. And, I, and it simply says this in, in uh, Proverbs 14, verse 12, it says, they don't have it, so they don't even know I'm doing this. Uh, there is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in the way of death. And oftentimes in our lives, you know, and in our minds, we, we, we think we know what we're supposed to do. We, we have good intentions, but they're not always right. And sometimes they don't always lead to good things, right? Uh, but the Lord, uh, you know, the, the great thing is the Lord, when he leads and guides, he always leads in, in paths of righteousness and what is right. And he, our steps are ordered of the Lord is what the scripture tells us. And so I like that. I find comfort in that. I wanted to share that with you today. I, I just felt that in my heart. Thank you for sharing that this morning. Thank you for sharing that. That, that didn't minister to anybody else. That ministered to this guy right here. So, um if you have your Bibles today, I'm, I don't want to keep you long. And uh, thank you. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Larry. I, let's give it up for the worship team today, all right? Not just Larry, but the whole worship team. They're all. And uh, thank you, Sula, for following the leading of the Lord this this morning and speaking truth into it. How many appreciate what, what the words that Sula, Sula gives on Sunday mornings? And uh, I might just add this, you know, me and Sula, we'll, we'll talk periodically. We don't talk every week, um, and it's not because we're mad at each other. We're just busy, and uh, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. We And this week we did not talk, but it, it's interesting. I showed her uh, what, I, what I was going to be speaking on, and, and I love how the Holy Spirit just lines things up for us. And so we're going to be in, in the book of 1 Peter, uh, chapter 4, and... Uh, that's in the New Testament. If you're if you're looking, that's right. And if if you're in the front of your Bible, some of you are looking on your phone. That's all right. But if it's if you have your old paper paper Bible, which doesn't run out of battery, I might add, uh, uh, it's going to be in the New Testament. And I, I want to read this scripture. We're going to be we're going to be taking uh, our our point of reference here. Uh, verse twelve says this. If you don't have it, it'll be up on the screen. Hey, everybody in the balcony. I just want to wave at you guys. You guys don't get very much love, so I, I thought I'd just, I'd just wave at you guys. Uh, it says this, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Verse 13 says, But rejoice insofar as you share uh as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Verse 14, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. 
because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. I want to read verse 12 again. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Let's pray. God, I thank you today for your word. God, I surrender my heart to you today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would use me as an oracle today. God, I, I'm nothing more than a vessel today. God, I pray, Lord, that the words that come from my mouth, that proceed out of my mouth, would be ordained, God, that they would be uh, anointed by you. God, I pray, Lord, that bondages would be broken. I pray that lives would be changed, and I believe that people are going to be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Today, I want to talk to you, and that, uh, from our point of reference, I want to talk to you on this simple subject of suffering into glory. Everyone say, suffering into glory. All right, say it one more time. All right, you guys, you guys got it. So suffering and glory, uh, how many have been through some stuff? All right, how many have not been through some stuff? All right, it's what I thought. Uh, how many have been through some trials that you thought were going to kill you? How many have been through some trials uh, that, that just were a, a huge struggle to you, and, but you made it out? How many made it out? All right. I want, all right, I want you, if you're going through something, if you made it out, hold your hand up. If you're going through something, I want you to look around. All right, all right, you see that? If you're going through something right now, there's a lot of people that made it out, so let that be a testament to you. Suffering and glory are twin truths that are uh, woven into the fabric of this, of Peter's uh, first epistle here. It's like a, I guess a good example of this, it's like a coin with a heads and tails, right? Um, there's two sides to it. There's suffering, but on the other side of that suffering is glory. And, and, and as I was studying for this, I, the Lord showed me something. He gave me a perspective on suffering that I uh, maybe knew, but he kind of reiterated some things in my heart that I needed to hear. How many know the Lord needs, sometimes we just need to hear from the Lord. All right. And, uh, and, and saying that suffering and glory is not like a two-sided coin, this shouldn't surprise us that suffering and glory go hand in hand. Uh, anybody in here want to suffer? How many want glory? All right. That's what I thought. Uh, no one wants to suffer, but all, all of us in one way or another are craving glory. Well, what do you mean by glory? It doesn't mean, um, you know, that you get all the attention. The biblical definition of glory here is seen in the, in the Hebrew word kabod. Everyone say kabod. Uh, which means it means weighty or it's substantial. It's it's got some substance to it, right? Uh, glory is a a a, uh, a top sirloin steak as opposed to cotton candy. If you had your choice for lunch to eat some cotton candy or a sirloin steak, how many's picking the cotton candy? No, all you kids are gonna raise your hand. Oh, right. But I don't know about you, but I like something with some substance. When I'm hungry, I want it to stick to my ribs. Biscuits and gravy with that 40-weight gravy on it, right? Come on now. Man, I, I'm going down the food road. road. I, this is anointed because I'm talking about food. Uh, all right? But, uh, but oftentimes in our lives, we try to fill uh, the void of the, the kabod, the glory of God over our lives with things that have no substance. 
like cotton candy. I don't know. The older I get, the more I dislike cotton candy. I understand. My dad was always like, I don't like cotton candy. And I was always like, man, I don't understand why you don't like cotton candy. Because it's like $8 and it just, and it's gone. Right? When you go to the fair and you get cotton candy, you put it in your mouth and it's just gone. You know, you might as well just pour sugar down down your mouth, right? It's almost, it's, a, it's sugar and air. You're paying for sugar and air. That's what you're paying for with cotton candy. But I like something that, that you can sink your teeth into as opposed to just air. Yesterday we took Wyatt, this week Wyatt turned 15 years old. And we took him out. <laughs> Woo! We took him out last night because his birthday happened to fall during VBS. But we took him out last night. And we asked him, like, hey, where do you want to go? And he said, and we gave him some ideas. And I was, you know, naming the cheap places. And, you know, when, you, when they're 15 and you got boys, whew, let me tell you, they can eat. And, and we ended up going to, to Hibachi Place last night. And let me tell you, me and Wyatt, we split a meal, a, you know, a two-for-one kind of thing. And as I got up, as I waddled out of the restaurant... Because I ate fried rice, and then I ate noodles, and I ate vegetables, and then I had soup, and then I had salad. And then, then comes the end. Oh, here's all the meat that you got, dude. I was sitting there, and I was like, man, I feel stuffed. Matter of fact, I, sh- I should probably skip a meal today. That would be good. But uh, how, many, how many know what I'm talking about? Substance matters. Substance matters. And uh, here's what we need to know about the kabod or the glory biblically. Man was originally clothed with God's glory. And the, and the weight, or I guess the way you could say that, the weight or the reality of God. But here's what happened. When Adam sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, the kabod departed. It departed from them. Matter of fact, uh, has anybody ever heard the, the tale uh, of Ichabod Crane? Is it the legend of Sleepy Hollow? Is that what it is? I, uh, the writer of that escapes me. But he took this name Ichabod. Ichabod, when you add Ich to Kabod, uh, what happens is it means the glory has departed. The glory has departed. And so what happened with Adam and Eve is once they sinned, the glory of God departed, leaving him empty and exposed and naked. You can look that up in Genesis chapter 3. And Adam and Eve, they tried to replace God's covering and glory with fig leaves. It's a pretty sad covering when you think about the glory of God compared to a fig leaf. And, and they knew that they were naked. Matter of fact, God knew that they were naked, but I like how God works. He's walking, he's looking for Adam and Eve, and they're hiding because they're naked. And he's like, and they finally come out, and they're like, hey, you know, so why are you hiding? Well, we're naked. Well, who told you you were naked? He knew, he knew what happened. And, and, but here's the thing. We try to cover our lives with things. And now look at me. We try to cover our, our lives with things like money. We think, oh, that'll fill, that'll fill the kabod. That'll fill the glory, right? I said this a few weeks ago, more money, more problems, right? Right? We try to fill it with money. We try to fill it with power. We try to fill it with relationships. We try to fill it with prestige, knowledge, and the list can go on and on and on. And, and it's this cycle that many of us get into. We, we go from one thing to the next and one thing to the next. But here's what I know, and I think Aaron made a great point this week. I I believe this. There is a God-shaped hole in all of us. And we're all, you know, whether when once we once we fill it with God, we understand what our purpose is and we understand who we are and that we're his. 
But oftentimes, when we don't have God in that hole, we're trying to constantly fill that hole with something. It reminds me, around here, we have sinkholes, right? How many guys got sinkholes? I got a couple sinkholes out there, Williams, right? And, and, and what do you do with the sinkhole? You just keep throwing brush in that thing and hoping it finally stops, right? So that's what you do. And so, uh, so us in our lives, we have these emptiness and this, this desire to know God. But oftentimes we try to fill it with so many diff- different things, and it's a cycle that just continues and continues until Jesus Christ comes and fills that void in our hearts and lives. And Adam was exposed uh, but there is a day coming, now we're talking about suffering here, but there's a day coming when our suffering will be translated into glory for all eternity, right? How many are looking forward to the day that we go to heaven? All right? Now, now ultimately, uh, we, we know that when we get to heaven that, that our bodies are going to be glorified. We're gonna, man, some of us are going to have hair again. Some of us are going to be able to fit in our size 28 jeans again. Right? And, and we're going to have glorified bodies. And how many is ready for a glorified body? Every day I get up, God, I need a glorified body. Uh, but when we get to heaven, all things are going to be made right. And, and I'm looking forward to that. But I want to talk to you today uh, about suffering, just suffering. Um, how many could, would just be honest and say, hey, pastor, I'm going through some suffering right now. All right. Thank you for the th- three honest people in here. All right. Uh, I, I want you to look at this. Verse 12 says this. Beloved, do not be, what's the word? Do not be, or as Gomer would say, surprise, surprise, surprise. Some of you don't, that went over all the young people's head. <laughs> I, all right. Uh, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So here's the first point. I've got two points today. Two points. They're long, but I've got two points, all right? Here's my point. Number one, don't be surprised by suffering. I don't know about you, but I, as a believer, oftentimes I, I, I always want to question God. God, why am I going through this? Why am I struggling? Why, why is this happening to me? Why, why can't this be happening to me? Why, 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 why? Sounds like my kids. Why, 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 why? And God's like, oh, okay. Uh, but here's the skinny on suffering and, and enduring trials. We are not exempt from suffering just because we're saved and we know Jesus Christ. I, I'll give you a good example. In Matthew 5, 40, 45, Jesus would say this. It rains on the just and the unjust. That means if you're saved, you're going to have good times, you're going to have bad times. If you're not saved, you're going to have good times, you're going to have bad times. It's not my words, Jesus' words. And, and sometimes good things happen to bad people, right? Some of you are like, oh, that person got that job that I should have got. That happened to a bad person, not a good person, right? According to you, right? And, and sometimes bad things uh, happen to good people, including Christians and Sometimes I, as a pastor, it's, it's hard to talk to people because they're like, why is this happening to me? I'm like, I, it's, it's just a fallen world. I, I, I wish I could tell you. I, I don't understand why you're struggling with this sickness. I don't understand what's going on in your marriage. But l- let me tell you something. We live in a fallen world. And this, the whole reason that Peter is writing this epistle and the whole thing I, uh, deals with, with, with the simple thought of suffering of the saints in the early church. And that rings true to us today, amen? Do you believe that? And, 
And as believers, we're going to face some things at times. Anybody ever been ridiculed for what you believe? Listen, when I was growing up, I, I'm a PK, I was a PK, what's that mean? Preacher's kid. And growing up, anybody, preacher's kids are unique. I'm going to tell you they're unique because they get judged right off the get-go. They're either a good one or a bad one. Like you're either a good kid or and, and if they make a fault, everyone's like, well, they should be better than that. Well, they're just kids, right? I'm, I'm speaking from experience here, okay? And and I remember, uh, maybe maybe you can, maybe some of you can attest to this. I remember uh, at one point our car was having some problems, and the church that my dad was pastoring, they had a church van, and guess what? Mom and dad dropped me off at the front of school with the old church van. No denying, I'm a Christian now. Right? Anybody ever had that experience? I didn't think so. Just a few <laughs> handful of people. But, but you know, as a young person, I thought, oh, man, this is, this is so, so, like, I, I don't want everyone to know. And, you know, some people be like, hey, what's your dad do? Oh, he speaks to people. He's a motivational speaker. Right? Uh, <laughs> right? Didn't want to say, I, I grew in my faith. I began to understand and understand my relationship with God. I, I got there. Uh, but most young Christians or young people in the faith are astonished that, that the fact that when they get saved that they, too, are going to go through some stuff. Right? How many have been saved for a long time in here? All right. A few of you. Raise your hand. All right. You'll be like, I don't know if I want to raise my hand here because it shows my age. Um, the truth is, if, if, if living a Christian life exempted us from trials or suffering, this church would be packed right now. Right? And all the churches in America would be jam-packed because everyone would, would want to come in and be like, I want to live this perfect life that just because we're saved, nothing will happen. But that's not the case. Even Jesus said that, that it rains on the just and the unjust. Um, this walk with God is not always a bed of roses. But it, and, this, and this is what we need to understand. Even beds of roses have thorns. Right? Even beds of roses. Uh, Jeremy, now you, you, work, you work in landscaping, and uh, I bet you just get excited when you're just having to go through a bunch of rose bushes, right, with thorns. That's not very fun. So even, even rose, uh, beds of roses have thorns. And if you haven't, if you haven't, you will face pain and suffering in your Christian walk, all right? I'm just giving you some good, good advice right now. Sometimes that may be physically. Sometimes that may be not a good doctor's report. That may be sometimes could, could be mental stress. Anybody ever had any mental stress or, or maybe spiritual opposition? But, but we will all face some suffering in our walk. In verse 12, he alludes to uh, fiery trials, fiery trials, some intense trials. Now, I need to set the context here because uh, Peter is talking to the early, early church here, and he's talking to believers who were going through some tough times. Now, they, they were being martyred, and they were being uh, persecuted in ways that we aren't quite persecuted in America. We're blessed in America. We get to, we get to express our, our beliefs. We get to, to come in here and meet. But, you know, other countries in the world, people are hiding 
and meeting in caves or meeting in the underground or meeting in places where they aren't going. And if they were caught, they would be arrested and thrown into prison. How many are glad that you, you are blessed and that you live in America where you can worship like you want to? Amen. I love that. And so, but in, 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 in verse 12, he alludes to fiery trials. And, and here's what we need to understand. Some intense trials are fiery and you feel like giving up. When the fire gets hot, no one wants to be around, right? When the, when the heat gets put up. And, and we say, man, it's too intense. This is too tough. Anybody ever said that to God? This trial, this thing that I'm going through, God, it's, it's too much. It's a little hot. It reminds me of when I put accelerant on the fires. My, my often, one of the things I love living about Williams is I get to build a fire whenever I want like everyone else in my <laughs> my whole neighborhood out there. But but when I put when I when I put accelerant on a fire, it, it comes up, right? Last night at the hibachi place, you know, they were doing the you know the little choo choo little train all that. You guys know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, need to go. All right. And 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 he started and you know the big flame they they hit you with right at first is like the oh, you know. And when that flame came up, man, the heat got intense. Matter of fact, I don't know if I have my eyebrows today. And I just pushed back, and it was so big. And the guy, he just kept putting up so much stuff in there. And I thought, man, this is going to be big. And it was, and it was amazing. Uh, but, uh, but oftentimes in our lives, the, the intensity of the heat and the pressure of suffering, it, we struggle with. And, and sometimes we feel like we're, we're being burned. But this is what happens with fiery things. Fire is also a good thing because fire, a hot fire, takes a really hot fire to burn away impurities and metals. Right? It takes a hot fire to burn. And, and these fiery trials, when we look at them, and they may seem intense and they may seem hot, but God is using those trials to burn away things that aren't good in our lives. I began to think about this, and I was like, man, that is so, so good. And, and, and though it may hurt for a moment, and though it may feel like it's burning, and though it may feel like I want to give up, and though it may feel like this, God has a bigger purpose within that. And so look at this. Verse 13 says this, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. I like that word rejoice, and I've talked about this on Wednesday night in our Bible study. The word rejoice means joy, joy again. That's literally what it means. Jo everyone say joy, joy again. That's what rejoice means. So he's saying this, you know, have joy, but joy, joy again. And so far as you're, you share Christ's suffering, that you may also joy and joy again, be glad when his glory is revealed. That's literally what, it, what it's talking about. Verse 14, if you are insulted, for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. How many want the spirit of God to rest upon you? Amen. Uh, the world says this, and, I, uh, and if you're a note taker, you can write this down. The world says this, the absence of suffering is glory. That's what the world says. If there's no suffering, then you're doing all right. You've got glory. But listen, the word of God, which I just read, the word of God says this, the presence of suffering brings glory. Did you catch that? The world says the absence of suffering is glory. But the word, when I say word, I'm talking about this big black book that I have up here. The Bible says that the presence of suffering brings glory. 
Now, I don't know about you, but when I look at this, I begin to think, man, this is radical. This is radical. This is different than, than what everyone tells you because this is what everyone says. You know what? Get a job. Get yourself financially secure. Get yourself a house. Take care of things. Get things in order. And as long as you don't have any trials, you're doing good. It's glory. Right? But the word of God says, actually, your suffering is going to lead you into glory. I like that. And it's against what our mind and our flesh would believe. And, and a lot of us say, oh, just because things are kosher and things are good, I, I'm okay. And things are all right. We say no suffering means glory. And, and I, I, I just got to, I could point this out. I mean, honestly, look at those who, who have money and look at those who have influence and see how many of them have struggled with depression and suicide and tried to fill the kabod with fig leaves. Think about this. I mean, you can go back. I, you, you can do a Google search. You can go back and say, how many movie stars have committed suicide over the last 10, 20 years? You'd probably be astonished. That goes to show you that influence and prestige and those things, they may fill a void for a moment, but they'll never fill that kabod. It's like cotton candy versus steak. It just doesn't add up. And the world argues that the absence of suffering brings glory. But the word here says suffering is what brings the glory, the kabod, or the weightiness. And I need you guys to think with me today. Just I, 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 and, and I promise I won't be long. I won't be long today. I won't be long. You say, hey, TJ, you're talking about suffering. We know how long you preach. And speaking of suffering right now, that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, uh, and maybe, and maybe that's a good illustration today. And maybe that's a good illustration. But it, it, here's what we need to know: in our fallen condition and our polluted world system, we get confused on what is good. That's why I read that verse out of Proverbs: "What a man, you know, thinks in their heart is good is not always good." And and there's this story. There's this story that Alan Watts tells, and and it's about a man in China. And, uh, and when he's, in, he's a farmer in China, and his neighbors come to him, and they, they say, is there anything new going on in your life? And, and, and he, simply, he simply says, uh, you know, uh, and he tells them, he says, hey, my horse got out today. And they say, oh, that's bad. And he's all, how do you know? And so they leave, and then they come back the next day, and his neighbors come in, and they say, hey, is there anything new in your life? And, and the farmer says, hey, well, my, my horse came back, and, and he brought seven wild horses with him. And they're like, well, that's good. And he says, well, how do you know? So they leave, and then they come back the next day, and, they come, and when they come back the next day, so they say, you know, what, what's new? And he says, well, well, my son got on one of the wild horses to see if he could tame it, and he fell off and broke his leg. And they said, oh, that's bad. And he said, how do you know? How do you know it's bad? And then the next day, uh, they come back and they say, what's new? And he says, hey, the, the Chinese army came, and they, they came to recruit my son, but then they saw he had a broken leg, and they said they can't recruit him because he has a broken leg. And then their neighbors say, oh, that's good. He says, how do you know? And the point that I'm trying to make here is we don't know what is good and we don't know what is bad. Oftentimes we say things that are good are actually bad and things that are bad that are actually good. You know why? Because in our finite minds we think 
that we've got it figured out. But let me tell you, God's got the big picture. Because scripture tells us that he's working all things together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. How many, how many hear me today? So what we think is bad or a fiery trial, as Peter calls it, they, they indeed lead us to fulfill our calling in God. Or they may lead us to a deeper relationship with God. How many want a deeper relationship with the Lord? Amen. I do. I do. Uh, but God, uh, I say this, Lord, if, if this fiery trial this week makes me a better parent with Zaley and Wyatt, let it be so, Lord. Right? Or, or maybe uh, this week, while my wife is gone, maybe when she comes home, I'll be a better spouse because I'll realize everything that she does. I, someone say amen over there? Is that what I heard? <laughs> and maybe, you know, this fiery trial that you're dealing with at work will make you a better employee. Oh, now you're talking to me, TJ. It was funny when you were talking about you, but now it's now you're hitting me. All right. Do you love me? All right. God does not replace suffering with glory. He transforms suffering into glory. Okay? Here's the second point. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. I told you I wasn't going to be long today. God, here's the second point. God has a purpose for the suffering. Number one, don't be surprised when you, when you deal with suffering. Number two, God has a purpose for the suffering. Everyone say, God has a purpose for the suffering. God does not replace suffering with glory. He transforms suffering into glory. And I'm going to give you two illustrations. One of them is mine, and one of them is Jesus's, and his is far superior than mine. But I, I'm going to give them to you, and, and then we're going to end, okay? Uh, imagine this. Uh, how many know my, know my son Novak? Okay. If you've been to my house, you know that Novak is not a very good keeper of his room. Anybody got any kids that got messy rooms? All right, we're not the only one. And, and, but if I was to go to my son, Novak, and I said, Novak, I need you to clean your room. But I don't need you to clean your room like you think you should. I need you to clean your room immaculately to get it perfect, to get it right. And some of you moms are like, that's what I'm talking about, right? And I see all you moms shaking your heads. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, all right. And, and, but, I, but here's the deal. If you clean your room spotless the way that I want you to clean it, I'm going to do something for you. Every day that it's clean, I'm going to give you an eight and a half inch by 11 and a half inch piece of paper, and we're going to put it in a folder or a filing cabinet every day that it's clean. Now, Novak is eight, going to be nine this year. And Novak's response would probably be, that is not a good deal. Dad, I will do it for greenbacks. I'll do it for some V-Bucks on Fortnite. I'll do it for this. But I don't like this deal, Dad. It's not a good deal. You want me to keep my room clean, and all you're going to give me is a piece of paper. Now, imagine this. Imagine that he miraculously kept his room clean for many, many, many years. And where he are, and he is at his first day of college. 
and when he steps into his dorm, and we're moving him into his dorm, and we say, hey, Novak, I've got this file. I've got this filing cabinet. We're going to put this in your room because you kept your room clean, and every, every day you kept your room clean, I, I put one of these pieces of paper in there. And Novak's probably going to be like, okay. And, but suppose he opens that filing cabinet, and he pulls out this piece of paper, and he takes a closer look at that piece of paper, and that paper is a preferred stock. Now, I had to ask some help because I'm not an investor at all. I called my good friend, <laughs> and, and I asked, and I said, hey, what is a good stock right now? Because I don't know. And I, I asked a couple things, and he's like, no, that's not, not really a good stock, just FYI. And so, but anyways, but, but suppose he looks at this preferred stock, and it's from the firm NVIDIA, Okay. I guess that's a soaring stock right now. If you're an investor, there you go. And he's got paper on paper on paper on paper, and he's got just a stack of these preferred stocks. And each one is worth 100 shares of this. And when he sees that, he's going to go, I don't have to go to college anymore. I'm rich. All the weight of all the suffering isn't going to, it's just not going to compare to the glory of now I'm rich. I'm going to give you a better example here. Look at this. And Jesus, he gives the great, great example because Jesus is greater. And his illustration of suffering being transferred into glory. If you, if you have your Bibles, you can look in John 16. Jesus He's about to leave his disciples. He's about to go to the cross. And he tells them as he's going away here and that his disciples will be sad. And uh, he gives them a great example of suffering turning into glory. So John chapter 16 verse 21 says this. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby... She no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into this world. Verse 22 says this. So also you have sorrow now. So all, I'm talking to all you. Jesus talking to all you people going through some things. You have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. So when my wife told me that she was pregnant, and I, I went to her last night, and I said, babe, I remember when you told me when Zaylee was pregnant, and I remember the look on your face, and she had to remind me that she called me. <laughs> I was like, well, I remember when you told me with, with Wyatt then, and, and, but, but, but when my wife told me that, that she was pregnant with all of our kids, you know what I didn't say? I didn't say, oh, no, that's going to be awful for you. That's going to hurt. You're going to start gaining weight and stretching in unbelievable ways. You won't be able to walk well. Your joints are going to hurt. You're going to get heartburn, and your ankles are going to swell. You won't be able to get comfortable in bed. And you're going to have a lot and lots and lots of doctor's appointments. Not to mention, you got 13 to plus hours of labor that will come with contractions and pain and sweating and screaming and a sore back and all that struggle. I didn't say that. You know how you know I didn't say that? I'm here today. <laughs> right? 
I'm still alive. Uh, but when she told me she was pregnant, it was the joy of the baby, not all the suffering. Right? It was the joy of the baby. And, and I, I begin to think about that. It was the privilege of bringing a little, a little TJ or a little Tristan into this world. And some of you are like, man, we have too many of those. All right. And let me tell you something. It was worth it. I remember when Tristan had Zaylee. And I remember, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. She was crying and she was, she was pushing. I was just over there going, come on, babe, you got this, right? It's pretty easy for me. Um, but I remember after all the pain and after all the struggle, the, the doctor grabbing little Zaylee and picking Zaylee up and putting Zaylee right, you know, like they do on the mamas, putting her right here on, on Tristan's chest. And Tristan looked at her, and I'll never forget the beautiful look that Tristan gave her. She goes, she's so beautiful. The glory outweighed the pain. The glory outweighed the pain. Didn't matter that she just went through 13 hours of, 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 of contractions. And it didn't matter that she carried Zaylee for nine months. The joy outweighed the pain. Look at this. I'm going to show you something. 2 Corinthians 4.17. I love this verse. It says this. Paul says this. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I'm here to talk to somebody today that if you're going through something, it is only light compared to the glory that's going to come out of it. What seems like pain and tears and struggling is going to be transferred to glory. What if we believed it? What if we were radical enough to look at our situations and say, the per and had a perspective that said, this is not as bad as I'm making it out to be. This may be causing me discomfort. This may be causing me pain. This may be, a, there may be a struggle in my marriage. There may be a struggle in my job. I may have an illness. My finances may be struggling. But here, it will bring glory and it will bring unspeakable joy what if we really believe this look at your neighbor say what if we really believe this if we understood that Jesus taught what Jesus taught and Peter reiterated we would look at obstacles and disappointments as preferred stocks they're just adding up it's just going to get better and obstacles and disappointments and that maybe we look at those situations and say, hey, I, maybe I'm going through some pain, but maybe, maybe I'm like a travailing mother and I'm about to birth something new in my life. You know, here's the thing. It may take nine months. It may take nine years. But the suffering and pain in your life will bring substance, weightiness, kabod, the glory. Hebrews 12.2 says this, and Jesus modeled this. I want, I want to show you something. Hebrews 12.2 says this. Looking to who? Looking to the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. What? Why did he endure the cross? For the? He endured the cross because he saw you and he saw me. 
He said, hey, I'm going to be able to have a relationship with them. They're going to be able to have a relationship with me again. Look at this. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus endured the cross because he knew it was the cross that would bring joy to you and me. Are you excited about that today? Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. So Jesus knew that that pain and suffering he endured on the cross would be transferred into joy. And likewise, the struggle that you face today, emotional, financial, spiritual, physical, has the potential to birth something wonderful in your life. And I want to show you something. Look at this. James 1, 2 says this. Count it all, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. I love that perspective. I'm, I'm going to stop looking at situations through the lens of despair and, 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 and you know, as the world would want me to say, but I'm going to start looking at them and say, God, what is this going to birth in my life? What's going to come out of this situation? May we do it just like James said. May we, may we be the ones who celebrate even in difficult times that come our way, knowing they are the materials from which the Lord fashions joy. And may we realize that suffering and glory are two sides of the same coin. You may be suffering right now, but the glory's coming. I'm on, do you believe that today? Will you bow your heads with me all across this, this building? I just feel compelled to tell somebody in here who's going through something today that it's going to be worth it. The pain, the discomfort, the struggle, the suffering is going to lead you into glory, suffering into glory.